0: Folks, we have been going through First Peter, we're up to chapter 2, we're getting ready to that midway point of chapter 2, and we've been talking about the whole issue of passing through. The reality is, is if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you've committed your life to follow him, you're here Temporarily. There's more to this life than just right now. Well, you say, well, I've been here a long time. Well, that's nothing compared to eternity going on. So you're here temporarily, and God has something that he wants to accomplish through your life here. Every one of you who is a follower, God has something that he wants to accomplish through your life. So in the meantime, while you're here, you are to live for him. You are to follow him. You are to do the things that he wants you to do. The problem is, is most of us don't have any clue about that. Actually, most of us live in defeat. We know that we're forgiven. We know that we're saved. We know that we're following him. We know what our hope is. But we look at our lives right now, and probably what we see is failure, regrets, trauma from the past, what ifs. And that's especially true as you get older. As you get older, when you're younger, you got life before you, you got dreams about what you want to do. But as you get older and you realize that for a lot of folks, those dreams didn't come true. Those dreams didn't happen, and then there were the failures, and they haunt you. And to add to that, you have an enemy who is very real who will remind you of your failures, who will remind you of your sins, who will tell you that how can you talk about following Jesus? How can you talk about doing what he wants you to do when you consider the failures in your life? So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about understanding who you are. Because the fact of the matter is, let me ask you a question. You don't need to, I don't want you to answer it out loud. I want you to think about it. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Now, some of you focus on, well, I wish my eyebrows were like this, or I wish my hair wasn't falling. know. forget about the physical things that you see. But what do you see about you when you look in the mirror? How would you answer that? Because that's going to determine whether or not you're going to live your life for him as you follow him. But for a lot of us, can I be honest with you, what we struggle with are self-defeating outlooks. We have a self-defeating outlook on ourselves. Because all we see is our failures. So I'm going to just point out two things here before we look at what Peter tells us. Number one, I've said this to you at the beginning of our series here. I mentioned this a few more, a lot of, I think it was like three or four weeks, five weeks in a row where I made this statement. But I'm going to bring it back again today to make a statement with you because we have self-defeating outlooks. Here it is. You will never rise above your perception of yourself. That is so true. You will never rise above your perception of yourself. For some of you, can I be honest with you, your perception of yourself is based upon what your mama or daddy told you or what some scoutmaster told you or what some coach told you or what some boss said to you. and, And somewhere along the line, somebody told you that you will never amount to anything. Can I be honest with you? If you're a parent here, don't ever do that with your kids. That will scar them for life. You will not rise above your perception of yourself. And for a lot of us as believers, that is so true. You will not rise anywhere spiritually above your perception of yourself. If you view yourself as a total failure, you don't even understand why God could save you because of this or that, and you're remembering incidents in your mind right now, and the failures that are real, you're not going to rise above that. You're going to be crippled because you've convinced yourself that you can never do anything for God. You've convinced yourself that you can never do anything for the Lord. You don't even know why the Lord would even save you. You view yourself as some kind of second-class Christian. You will never rise above your perception of yourself. Now, here's what we want to do today: is is we want to make you rise. I want to help you rise, be of your, give you a new perception, help you to rise above what you're thinking about yourself right now. Help you to see what the scriptures say. Okay. So you'll never rise above your perception of yourself. So we have a tendency. Here's the second thing: we have a tendency. It's a very strong tendency to base. Our identity on our failures. We have a strong tendency to base our identity on our failures. So, for some of you here today, when you look at yourself in the mirror, what you see is the mistake you made. What you see is the dream that never happened. What you see is a failure, maybe a failure in marriage, a failure in business, a failure in relationships. What you see when you look in the mirror, when you think about who you are, is your failures. You see the mistakes or the series of mistakes, or you see the ongoing struggle with a sin. When you look in the mirror, what you see is your failure. We have that tendency. That's a human tendency. And again, I told you, you have somebody who's ready to help you in thinking that way. It's the enemy. He will come to you and say, oh, God can't love you. God can't do that for you. God has no use for you. Did you see what you did? You can't see yourself. I remember very clearly in my first church in Canada, there was a gentleman there. He... uh it's interesting, he, he struggled with defeat. He struggled constantly with defeat. He saw himself, and I saw, and especially from that generation, from that World War II generation, I saw a lot of this, where they had to quit school because they had to go to work for somebody or they joined the military. So they never got a high school education. So because they didn't get a high school education, they always saw themselves, this is amazing to me, always saw themselves as less than, as never achieving anything, never being anything. But when you look at their life, it was a success story. Even though they didn't have a high school education, and yes, they did their time in the military, they went on and achieved great. They took care of their family, they provided, they rose up, and maybe they had their own businesses, but if you ask them point blank, if you sat down and talked with them, and I've done this with more than one of that generation, They would look at you and say, I'm a failure. Why are you a failure? I didn't finish high school. Isn't that interesting? We have that tendency. And that transfers over into our spiritual lives. Now, I'm going to tell you something here. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your identity is not based on what you did or didn't do. Your identity is not based on your successes or your failures. Your identity is based upon, I want you to hear me, is based upon what Jesus did for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your identity, again, I'm going to say it to you one more time. If you want to write this down, write it down. These three sentences. Your identity is not based upon what you did or didn't do. Your identity is not based upon your successes or your failures. Your identity is based upon what Jesus Christ did for you. Do you understand me? You've got to grasp that because remember what I said you will never rise above your perception of yourself. And can I tell you another little secret? The enemy wants you to not be aware of that because he wants you to live in defeat. He wants you to be so convinced that you can't serve God where you're at, in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, because all you see are what you did or shouldn't have done, what you didn't achieve, and your failures. So let's look at what our identity is, because Peter's going to talk about it. He's going to to spend two verses, verse 9 and 10 of chapter 2, he's going to spend two verses talking about who you are and what your purpose is. You mean I've got a purpose? Yeah, every single one of you has a purpose. So let's look at it together. It'll be up on the screen. Let's look at verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy but now have attained mercy. Let me me read that to you. This is so powerful. Let's read that again. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these two verses. We're going to spend some time here, and we're going to talk about that you are a part of something. Okay? You are a part of something. We're going to talk about what our purpose is, and then we're going to look at our disposition. Everybody has a disposition here, right? Oh, she's got such a sweet disposition. Oh, he's such a grouch. You know what I'm saying? Well, we're not going to talk about those dispositions. We're going to talk about the biblical disposition. So let's talk about being a part of something. Look at what he says there, verse 9. He says this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Here's what I want you to see. Those three descriptions reflect this one truth. Here it is. We have been set apart for something special. We have been set apart for something Special. Look at what it says. You are a chosen generation. Now he's talking plurally here. He's talking about all the followers of Christ. So he's talking about you and other followers of Jesus. You have been specifically chosen by God. You have been chosen by God for this generation. The generation you live in. Your focus needs to be right now. You are a follower of Jesus for this generation. Have ever met somebody that says, oh, I wish I lived in the 1800s or I wish I lived back in the, you know, you have the... Baloney, you were meant for right now. If you were meant to live back in the 1800s, you would have been born in the 1800s. You're for right now. And for right now, as a follower of Jesus, he has something special for you. You are a part of something special. God's plan. Why? Because notice he also describes you as a royal priesthood. That's talking something very special here. What's a priesthood? Those, there are those who serve God. But it's not just any kind of priest. He talks about you being a royal priest. You're royalty. We spend a lot of time looking at Harry and his new wife, right, on the news. Who cares about them? You're royalty. And then he goes on and says this You're his special people. You're special to God. You have been set apart for something special. Grasp it. And from that we see this You are precious to the Lord. You're precious to the Lord. All right, now stop. If you are basing who you are when you look in the mirror and all you see is what you could have done, what you shouldn't have done, the mistakes you made, the sins that entangle you, what you see is is the dreams that didn't weren't achieved or the failures that have accumulated in your life. What you see is Is just one thing after another, and you look in your life and you say, I'm a failure. I'm, why am I even here? Why am I even here? You're missing something very precious as a follower of Jesus. You're missing a truth. You're missing the reality. The fact of the matter is, is that even in spite of all of those wrong failures and whatever, you still are precious to God. Do you understand? You're still precious to Him. Now let me, let's back it up so you understand what I'm talking about. You're like, what does that mean? I'm precious to Him. Well, let's talk about it from the standpoint of human relationships. Okay, how many of you have children? Okay, we've got a lot of two parents here, okay? Grandparents, children, okay? Listen, I want you to hear me. Your children are all perfect, right? What's all this laughter and giggling I'm hearing? I mean, all your children were perfect. They've never done anything wrong. They've never disappointed you. They've never failed. Everything they do is a success, right? They do everything you tell them to do with a smile, and they come back and say, what do you want me to do next? Right? Am I correct? No. Your kids disappoint you. Your kids hurt you. They make decisions that hurt you, right? But if I were to go to you, And I would say to you, are they precious to you? Unless you're a dysfunctional parent, every one of you would say, they're still precious to me. I still love them. I still care for them. Right? Am I right in saying that? All right, so why why can't we grasp that about God? Why can't you grasp that about the Lord? Because remember what I said to you, it's not based upon what you didn't do or should have done or haven't done. It's not based upon your successes or your failures. Your identity with Jesus is based upon what Jesus did for you. Do you understand? Your relationship, your intimate relationship with God has to do with what Jesus did for you. It doesn't have to do with you. And by all accounts, the scripture very clearly says he knows that you're going to what? Fail. First John chapter 2, My little children, I run unto you that you sin not, but if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins, but not only our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. You think he knows you're going to sin? You think he knows that you're not going to achieve? That you're not going to be successful? That you're going to fail? but yet you are still what to him? Precious! How do you get that, George? He said, you are his what? Special people. Special. You're special to him. Special. So, let's move on then. We're a part of something special. So what does that mean? We have a purpose. When you understand that you... Are someone special to God that your identity is not based on yourself, it's based upon what He does for you. You begin then to understand the purpose that you have. Every single one of you has a purpose here. We say, Well, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a missionary. No, you don't who cares about that? You have a purpose. You have a purpose in your home. You have a purpose in your neighborhood. You have a purpose with your family, your extended family. You have a purpose in this community, whether you live in Kerwinsville, Clearfield, or points in between. You have a purpose. Let's see what it is. Look at what he says here. Verse 9. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Two things I want you to see here. Number one. We are to glorify God. We are to bring glory to God. We are to, to, our purpose is to make God look good. Because we're talking about the wonderful things he's doing in our lives. You know, the old Westminster Catechism said this. The very first question of the questions of the catechism says this, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, to glorify God and enjoy him forever isn't that awesome to glorify god and enjoy him enjoy god that's enjoying the relationship did you know what i'm saying so think about it what do, you mean, what do you mean enjoy the relationship you don't have to think very much about that think about that for a moment when you were sparking your honey did you understand what I'm saying? You wanted to spend time because you enjoyed the relationship. You enjoyed being with them. Because that's where the relationship was at. Here God's saying, I want you, your purpose is to glorify me, to praise me to the world around and enjoy me. Let everybody see that you're enjoying the relationship. Here, your purpose isn't to tell people you enjoy coming to church. That's not your purpose. In fact, you know what? Your purpose isn't to tell. I mean, yeah, I want you to tell people about our church, but that's not your purpose. Your purpose is to tell people about who? Jesus! And the wonderful relationship that you have with him. And you want to glorify him by talking about what Jesus is doing in your life. Here's the second thing I want you to see. We ought to praise him because he called us out of our darkness. What? What's the darkness, George? Well, the darkness is the defeat that we're still living in, right? if we're basing our identity on our failures, if we're basing our identity on our sins, if we're basing our identity on the dreams that didn't get fulfilled, if we're basing our identity on all of this stuff that's dragging us down, making us feel worthless, wondering why should we even go on, nothing ever happened the way I thought it would happen, blah, blah, blah. That's darkness. You're living in darkness. It's called depression, isn't it? He's the one who called you out of it. He called you out of it, the darkness that leads to death, eternal death. He called you out of it so that what? You'd have a new life and that you could walk in light. Isn't that awesome? That's our purpose. How do we glorify God? We talk about what God took us out of. We talk about even in spite of the terrible things that are going on in our life right now, we can still hold our head up high because we belong to who? God. We are His special people. We're called to praise Him because He called us out of our darkness. So here's what He does. He wants you to understand your identity, that you're someone special. He wants to understand your purpose. So now he's going to talk about your disposition. Disposition, that's how you approach things. We're going to talk about our approach, how you're supposed to be approaching life now because of who you are. And I want you to hear what he says. He says two things here about our disposition. We see it in verse 10. Look with me at verse 10. Here's what he says. Who once were not a people but are now the people of God... Who have obtained mercy, but now, who have not obtained mercy, but now obtained mercy. So here's two things. Number one, although we were once outsiders, we are now the people of God. Here's your disposition. Okay, I think everybody understands what an outsider is, right? It's somebody who's not from around here, right? Okay. Like okay, I'm gonna George is an outsider, okay? Because I'm from the Carolinas, all right. So I'm not from around here, all right. I'm not a Pennsylvania guy. I Even mean, though know, I lived here 17 years, it's not interesting. You be somewhere 17 years and still be an outsider. That's life, right? You can live life without God and still be an outsider. Period. Why? Because you don't belong to Him. But here's what you need to understand. Your disposition, your disposition isn't based upon your failures. Your disposition isn't based upon what you should have done and haven't done. Your disposition isn't based upon your sins. Your disposition isn't based upon any of that. Your disposition needs to be based on the fact that one day, you were an outsider, but you're no longer an outsider. You're now part of God's family. You're now one of his children. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, when you go on and live your life, whether it's taking the kids to school tomorrow or, or showing up at work and putting in, punching in the time clock and doing what the man tells you to do, or, or, or going to the bank and whatever, going to Walmart and where, wherever you are, you're not an outsider. Your life isn't based on your failures, you're his people. You are now the people of God. You're someone special. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're someone special. Here's the second thing. This is this is although we did not deserve mercy, the Lord has shown mercy to us. That's what he says, the second part there. Listen. Okay. So, all right. So you're saying to me, George, my failures don't mean anything. My sin problems don't mean anything. No, I didn't say. No, there's still an issue. There's still things you always have to overcome the sin in your life. You're called to. But here's what I'm going to say to you. Whereas once before, without Jesus, when you didn't follow Jesus, when you didn't give your life to him, you didn't obtain mercy. What you deserved was what? Hell punishment. But now, because you have followed him, you have obtained what? Mercy. What does that mean? Grace? Grace every day? Grace when you don't deserve it? Grace every moment, every second? God continually shows grace to you? God shows you what? Forgiveness. What do you mean forgiveness? Forgiveness for your intentional sins? Forgiveness for your sins of what? Ignorance. You guys realize that, right? You sin without even knowing it. What do you mean I did something? Yeah, you sin without even knowing it. God shows you mercy. He gives you another breath to breathe. Gives you another day. He gives you hope. All of that's mercy. Because if you were living based upon the stuff that defeats you, you shouldn't even be alive right now, right? You shouldn't even be alive. But he's given you mercy. Okay, so where are we going with this, George? Let's, let's, let's kind of bring it all together. I'm going to bring it down to two statements, okay? Because I want you to hear me. Two statements. Here's the first one. You need to understand what you are a part of and who you really are. You need to understand what you are a part of and who you really are. I would have to say, dare say, that for a lot of followers of Jesus, for a lot of folks who call the name of Christ as their Savior, they don't truly understand this. Well, I'm a member of Kerwinsville Christian Church. Forget that. What are you a part of? There's a whole lot of churches that aren't teaching anything, that are going in the wrong direction. Being a member of a church doesn't mean anything. Just saying you're a church doesn't mean anything. It's about whether or not you realize that you are a part of something more, something powerful, something called the body of Christ, the true church. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you need to understand what you are a part of. And second of all, you need to understand, in this first statement, you need to understand who you really are. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a special people. And that wasn't based on you. That was based upon what he did for you. Do you understand? And then finally, here's the second point, the final point I want to make to you. You must shift your focus from yourself to Jesus Christ, because that's really what the issue is. You must shift your focus from yourself to Jesus Christ. See, that's what the issue is. When you're living in defeat, when you're looking at your life and you're looking in the mirror and you say, oh, you know, I had these dreams and these dreams didn't come true if it wasn't for this, if I hadn't done that. And you look in the mirror and you're saying, all I see is that mistake and 20 years ago, if I wish I could go back and change it. And let me just tell you, you could go back and change it, you would have made another mistake and you'd be thinking about that mistake for 20 years. What you're doing is, is you're putting your focus, because the enemy wants you to have that focus, on you. And listen, if you focus on you, you're always going to be defeated because you ain't perfect. And neither am I. We're all failures. But you need to get your focus off of you and put it onto who? Jesus. Who loves you. Who cares for you. Who died for you, who accepts you, who's made you his own special people, and who's what? Given you a purpose now to what? Glorify him here. So, where are you at? What are you going to do with it? Really, it's up to you. It's not up to me. I've just presented the facts to you, I've just presented what the scripture says to you. You have to make the decision now. You're going to keep going the way you're going? Seeing yourself the way you see yourself, or are you going to go the way the Lord wants you to go and see yourself the way He wants you to see yourself? Let me pray for you.